Welcome to our podcast for generations in family business, past, present, and future. Our hosts for this podcast are myself, Tim Schuster, and I'm a manager in the Center for Family Business Excellence. And our other host is... <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt Kersner, and I'm a senior manager in the Center for Family Business Excellence. Matt, it's always good seeing you, my friend. You as well. <laughs> to continue on our conversation of the diagnostic model for human resource management, we discussed in our last podcast the high-level approach to this model and the importance of how this impacts businesses. To continue on our conversation of the diagnostic model for human resource management, we discussed in our last podcast the high-level approach to this model and the importance of how this impacts businesses. We're now going to start to break down each section of the model. So, Matt, let's start by discussing uh, external environmental influences. That's great, great. So, Tim, just just as a refresher for everybody, Absolutely. you know, there, there's four major pillars of the diagnostic model of human resource management, and you know, we talked about it in our last podcast. You know, there's there's acquiring human resources, rewarding and recognizing human resources, and developing, you know, developing people, yep, right? Yep. The, our resources that we have, and then maintaining and protecting. And there's really both external influences and internal influences that really impact this model mm -hmm. uh, when we when we get into it. And to specifically answer your question of what is the external influences, these are things outside or entities outside of the business that will impact, you know, really this model, how we approach human resources. And, you know, for the audience out there, you know, when we talk about family businesses and we talk about tightly held businesses and really putting together a, a model for human resource management, you know, one has to assume that they might not have a robust HR department. It might funnel into the, you know, the finance accounting world, you know, and these are just some really important things to think about when you're putting together or developing human resources or developing a department right. right as you grow. And you see that a lot with family businesses, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, most of the time there's no real designated HR department, so really this will kind of you know trickle into other groups to really influence. Absolutely. You know? and, and as we talked about in the past, you know, human resources means a lot of different things to many different organizations. I always tell leaders, directors, managers, you know, uh, everybody's human resources, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we all have to find talent. We all have to develop our people. We all have to, you know, uh, reward and recognize them, yep, right? Absolutely. And we're going to get more and more into this as we peel away of this of this diagnostic model. Yeah. But I want to get back to your your great question of what is yeah, the external yeah, environmental yeah. <laughs> uh, influence here. And really, it's, like I said, it's anything outside of the business that's going to impact it. So there's a few things that I, I kind of want to touch upon here. So some of them are governmental requirements, regulations, and laws. So, you know, a perfect one is, I think of like the Fair Labor Standards Act, right? Uh, salary versus hourly, right? And when you find people, what category do they go into? What triggers overtime, right? These are things that might impact your workforce, right? When we get into, you know, um, the Affordable Health Care Act would be an external influence that's going to impact, right? Are you going to hire people at 40 hours and have to give them benefits, or are you going to hire them under 30, mm -hmm. right, so you're not mandatory to follow yep. the Affordable Health Care Act? That's yep, a, yep, yep. a perfect example of, uh, an, you know, an external environmental influence. Another one would be the unions. Um, you know, that's a third-party entity that will, you know, negotiate terms uh, of agreements when it comes to um, pay, benefits, and working conditions. Well, the union, you know, the company's going to want to do a lot of uh, activities or programs, but they have to negotiate with the union. So it's an external influence that's going to impact 
how you go about hiring, mm-hmm. rewarding. You can't just implement things. You might have to, it might be a mandatory subject to bargain. Yep, yep. Right? So the, the you know, Tim, the economic conditions is another big one that comes into play with um, the external environmental influences. For example, um, if you are in an area where unemployment is extremely low, uh, it might be harder to find uh, skilled employees. Which is actually what's going on right now. Uh, I mean, you know, unemployment's at a relatively low rate. Um, you know, us here as a firm and also clients that I work with directly, they're saying the same thing. It's very hard to find talent right now. You know, Absolutely. Like, it's really difficult. So what happens is when you're developing your human resource model when it comes to acquiring talent, you might have to do a compensation analysis to make sure that what you are offering for wages and benefits fits into the model of attracting people yep. away from their current yep. employers. And other, and other fringe benefits, too. You know, that's something else to be considering. A- absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, those are some really key things. And then we also get into the competitiveness, right? You have to understand your competitors are also competing for talent, mm-hmm. are also developing their folks. So you have to really benchmark what they're doing and make sure that you are either the lead or at least competitive so you really have to track what your competitors are doing. So they are absolutely an external influence that's going to impact yep. how you put your HR strategy together. Uh, we already talked a little bit about the workforce and the composition of the workforce. And depending on where you're located, right, there's a big difference of being in Manhattan. Oh, yeah, big right? time. <laughs> versus, you know, being in Dolphin, Alabama. Yes. Right? Never so, heard of Dolphin, Alabama. Oh, it's a great place, <laughs> but it might be harder to find talent just because of the location. Of course, yeah. Right? I mean, you know, rural versus, you know, uh, urban areas and all that. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. So you really have to start thinking about, you know, when you're looking to grow your business uh, and you're looking at staffing or you're looking at mergers or acquisitions and you're, you're looking at your HR model, where are you located? Where do you want to be located? Where are your customers? And how is that going to impact getting talent? Makes sense. Right, and retaining talent. Absolutely. Uh, another big one would be obviously the location of the operation, and that's going to uh, really impact. Could be how you have to diverse your workforce. You know, do you have a good diverse workforce? Is your workforce representation of your, your community? Uh, these are also external influences that impact how you put your HR strategies together. Makes sense to me. So let's flip the switch a little bit and let's discuss the internal environment. You know, let's think about this. Now we're looking at from the macro perspective, let's look at the micro perspective. What, what it does it look like from an internal side? Yeah, so the internal side obviously is is your own organization and, and really working through the politics and you know the norms and the policies that are going to impact how you structure these four major pillars to make sure that you're doing the right things. And a few things that you know I always work with my clients when I'm when I'm helping them to develop HR is what is the company strategy? What are you really looking for for skills, knowledge, and ability for your workforce? And that's going to really hone in on making sure that you have the right org charts in place, the right job descriptions in place, the right job analyses, really so people understand how long it takes to do the job. How many full-time equivalent people do you need to actually get the work done? Correct. And what is your strategy? Mm -hmm. Another piece is do you offer overtime or do you increase a headcount? Right? These are things that you have to think about, and that's the internal environmental influence. The organization might say it's worth it not to hire somebody 
but to actually offer overtime because there's not additional fringe benefits that have to be paid. Right, out. exactly. It's just straight compensation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So another one is your goals. What is We talked about the strategic roadmap, and mm -hmm. we're going to talk probably a little bit more about it. But how does the goals of the organization really fit in? What is your goals for growth, right? What is your goals for, uh, you know, reduction in force? And how does that impact what you currently have for skill sets of employees and what do you need, mm -hmm. right? These are things. Another piece is, you know, the organizational culture. We talked several times in previous podcasts finding the right candidates that fit the culture, especially when you're working with a family business and you have a lot of family members and non-family members that are currently working and you're bringing new people in, especially when you're looking to bring in executives. Yes. Very, very critical that you are matching um, you know, the organizational culture when you're looking at developing policies. And that's a big piece of it when you think about it, right? I mean, if you have, an or I mean, an organization is a person. So if you have someone coming in that's not jiving with that, I mean, mm -hmm. you're going to have a lot of issues that are coming in from an internal perspective. Mm -hmm. So you really want to make sure you spend extra time to make sure they are a great fit for the company's culture. Mm -hmm. So things are working really well and the wheels are all moving into the same direction. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, uh, uh, diversity, and when I mean diversity, it might not just be people of color, but it could also be generational diversity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tim, I don't want to give our ages away, but we're, <laughs> there's a little bit of a, a generational difference between you and I. Oh, uh, there is me. <laughs> but, but, but that's a compliment where we actually work together, and this is an internal environmental Correct. influence Absolutely. on how we go about working together. Correct. And human resource organizations, when they're putting their strategies together, really should look at their demographics of their workforce. Absolutely. That's really what, what I mean by that. Um, the, the nature of the task is another big one. How people go about doing it. How do you mentor new employees to make sure that they're fitting in here? So when we talk about the in, internal environmental influences, it is what is the corporate politics, what is the corporate philosophy, you know, what is your future growth plan in the next year, three years, five years, that's really going to say, okay, what do we need to do to really build the infrastructure? If you're a family business and you're looking to acquire another business to grow, and a lot of businesses acquire others to grow, right, instead of just growing organically, you are also now taking on, when you do an acquisition, another company's HR philosophy, and that's also another internal environmental influence that you have to think about. Absolutely, right? absolutely. So now let's see if we can kind of put this all together. How does external, internal, environmental influences impact the strategic roadmap? Yeah, great question. So when we look at both external and internal influences and we start thinking about, okay, what is, like I mentioned, what is the game plan, current state, future state, one year, three years, five years, even 10 years down the road, you know, and another big piece here that I'll just mention because this is a big one is succession planning the transition of one generation to the next generation. That's a huge thing that comes into play here when you're putting your HR strategies together, not just for family members, but for non-family members as well. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at, you know, why we exist, the mission, you know, the, the, the core values of what do we believe in and the vision, you really got to start thinking about how does external influences impact that? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Or, you know, uh, or what is the internal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people are going to retire in the next three years. And how many Might of those... Might be a pretty high number. It could be. <laughs> yeah. And how many of those have critical skill sets 
that you need to think about, okay, are you replacing just one person or when you start looking at what they truly do and add value, especially if they're a family member mm -hmm. that actually works 80, 90, or I say rise oh, yeah. up to fall down. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There's yeah, no yeah. set yeah, hours. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right? Because you're constantly working. Replacing the aggregate. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Is it really replacing one or are you replacing three? Right. Whenever I work with leaders, boards, and we start looking at key leadership, um, we start asking, you know, when I start saying, okay, let's really peel away what they do and we start looking at a job analysis, you'll be amazed that they are not just, you know, the CEO, but they're also, you know, playing a role as a CFO. They're yep. also involved in marketing. They're, they're so ingrained in all different areas that when you start saying, okay, we're looking for a CEO, well, you know what? They also roll up their sleeves and get into the weeds. Yes, yeah, so exactly. So now it's like we have to replace those people. Yep, right? jack of all trades. Or, or bring in people to fill the jack of all trades. Yep, right? makes sense. Um, and I've experienced that as when I was a, an executive of HR working for a family business, when one of the owners who actually, before I came on board, she played the role of CFO, HR, and oversaw IT. Well, when she left, right, or kind of semi-retired and decided to move on, we literally, right before they even brought me in, they needed to replace a CFO. They needed to replace an HR, wow. right? And they had to bring in a director of IT. That's a lot. Of, of course it is, because, yeah. again, a lot of tribal knowledge or just information that they bring as part of the family culture now changes. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a huge dynamic shift. Yep, so very important. So when we get into all that, that's very, very critical. I already talked about some of the other internal environmental influences of the goals. Goals of the organization, department, individuals. How does that come into play here and impact that? How do you, it's very difficult to, to forecast turnover, right? Or even sometimes retention, it's a critical piece. But how do you, how do you build that in when you're building your objectives and goals to, to actually think about the future of the, of the workforce? Makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, and then we talked about the roadmap about growing the business, operating efficiency, and people development. Very critical when you're ha you have to think about the landscape both outside of the organization and inside. And inside. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like how it links together. Makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for the valuable information you provided today. It's always a pleasure, Tim. <laughs> I look forward to you know, drilling down in more of these specific areas of this model. Me too, my good sir. Me too. Very good. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Generations in Family Business, Past, Present, and Future, as part of the Eisner Amper podcast series. If you have any questions or there's a topic you'd like us to cover, email us at contact at EisnerAmper.com. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. We look forward to having you listen in on our next Eisner Amper podcast.